Conference bias continues to exist as the SEC continues to get more love than the Big Ten. PFF has four Michigan Wolverines in their preseason All-Big Ten offensive team. And recruiting continues to be hit or miss on this Locked On Wolverines. You are Locked On Wolverines, your daily podcast on the Michigan Wolverines. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Happy Tuesday. We are back and doing it. Locked on Wolverines podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. I am your man on the ground, Isaiah Hole, publisher of Wolverines Wire through USA Today Sports Media Group. I want to get into immediately ESPN several days ago, four days ago, I believe. Uh, Bill Connolly, who I, I, I absolutely have the utmost respect for, uh, put out his conference rankings as terms of teams that could get more than one into the uh, uh I, I'm on the wrong thing altogether I think here um, uh teams that could that could get more than one uh one team into this is actually Heather Dinich uh so I, I I completely had the wrong thing there uh into the college football playoff now next year completely different scenario of course it's not just gonna be four it's gonna be 12 and um Naturally, uh, there, there, there's an SEC bias going on here. So SEC ended up being number one of the top contenders. They have four teams, Georgia, Alabama, LSU, Tennessee. They say 51% chance for multiple college football playoff teams. And when they say agree or disagree, they say strongly agree. Of those four teams, only one in my eyes is a shoe in to get in, and that's Georgia. Alabama has a, the second, probably the second or third most talent in the in the country. Uh, however, we don't know how the quarterback situation is going to be, and and honestly, they were underwhelming last year in a lot of ways. I could see Alabama again being like a two loss team. I could see Alabama losing to Texas, who is the the new the nouveau college football playoff entrant this upcoming season. Uh, a lot of a lot of picks for Texas, even though that Texas is back every single year it seems. But uh, I I think that Alabama certainly could lose to Texas if Texas is what people think Texas is. And then say Alabama does still. I mean Alabama has to play LSU. Those two teams have to play each other. And then, um, and Alabama doesn't have the hardest schedule in the world. Georgia doesn't have, Georgia's schedule is on par with Michigan's. It, it's just an absolute breeze. Alabama doesn't have the hardest schedule in the world, but they do have Texas, but they still have three other non-conference games that are really nothing to write home about, but they do have to play LSU and Tennessee. So those teams are going to play each other, right? Uh, Georgia doesn't have to worry about really any of those. Tennessee, yes, but Alabama, LSU, they don't have to worry until they get to the to the conference championship game, which it almost certainly will because who else in the SEC East is going to actually contend? I mean, Tennessee certainly has that capability. Um, I know I'm going away from the, the, the picture here, but Tennessee, Tennessee has, a, has a schedule that isn't the easiest but isn't the hardest either. Their, their non-conferences are Virginia, Austin P, UTSA. UTSA is actually a pretty good team. I don't know how they'll be this year, but I mean, it's it's a team that that's been very good and tended to be right in there. Uh, and UConn, so they probably don't have much to worry about there. But 
in conference. They have to play Florida, which is an absolute dumpster fire. South Carolina, who's really coming up. Texas A&M, which is got a ton of talent, but has been really underachieving. Kentucky, who could win at any given point in time. You never really know. And uh, Georgia. So Georgia, when you look at what Georgia's schedule is, uh, it's UT Martin, Ball State, UAB, and Georgia Tech are the non-conference. The only team on their schedule, teams on their schedule that are potential problem areas is at Auburn. If Georgia is what you think it is, it shouldn't have any problem. Kentucky, same deal. Florida, same deal. Tennessee in the second to last week. Ole Miss is on there as well. Georgia is probably going to emerge unscathed. So that's that. Whereas with Tennessee, they don't have that luxury quite as much. Alabama, and we'll get into the whole Michigan Big Ten here in a, in a minute. Uh, but Alabama has non-conference games against MTSU, Texas at South Florida, which is weird, uh, and Chattanooga. But they play Texas, as said. They play Ole Miss. They play Texas A&M. They play Tennessee. They play Ar- Arkansas, which can be tricky. They play LSU. They play at Kentucky. They finish out with uh, a road game at Auburn. They could have two losses, maybe three. They could go undefeated. You never really know. I mean, you can't count out Nick Saban's team, but it just feels like I've said before, a dynasty on the decline. Uh, before I move on to uh, to the Big Ten and talk about that, let's look at LSU's schedule. LSU has a little bit harder of a go in some ways because they have they open the season against Florida State. They also play Grambling Army, never easy to play Army, and Georgia State. So they have two non-conference games that could be problematic. Uh, as far as in-conference, Mississippi State, Arkansas, Ole Miss, uh, Auburn, Alabama, Florida, Texas A&M. Uh, I, I, in a lot of ways, I feel like we're going on name recognition with this. I, I know that LSU took a step forward last year. They have a really good quarterback. They, they might be uh, a, a good reason why you can sit there and say that's a dark horse type. But to sit there and say like, they have a 51% chance for multiple playoff teams. I just don't think that that is fair compared to what the Big Ten has to offer right now. So the Big Ten has three people, uh, three teams they say are top contenders. Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, FPI says 25% chance for multiple playoff teams. And instead of a strongly agree, they say agree. So Michigan and Ohio State, are the they represent a, a conference that was the most recent to have two. Now, two years ago, it was two SEC teams. Last year, it was two Big Ten teams. Um, while I look at Ohio State and say there is certainly a decent shot that they don't go undefeated uh, before the Michigan game, uh, you look at the the Notre Dame, Wisconsin. They've got they've got some teams on that schedule that could, could challenge them a little bit. Uh, Penn State, of course, who we'll talk about momentarily. Uh, but that is still the most talented team as far, in terms of from recruiting rankings, top to bottom. Uh, and certainly they now know a lot of their issues because of uh, things that they've had to, that Michigan's exposed. But then on top of that, they do have to break in Kyle McCord, assuming he is the starting quarterback. Penn State, and then we'll get to Michigan. Penn State, I do believe, is for all of the hand-wringing I've done over Penn State over the last several years. Penn State, I do believe, is kind of poised to some degree uh, to actually take a big step forward. I think the big question is, is how is the bulk of their offensive line 
uh, Olufasunu, or however you say his name. And I, I know I'm not saying it right, but Fashanu, Fashanu, I believe. Uh, I believe that he's, he, you know, he's really good, but you need five, right? We've seen and we saw in 2017 that if you don't have five guys that can play together on the offensive line, it doesn't really matter, right? Because you know that that offensive line was trotting out guys who went in the NFL draft, Michael Onwenu, who's still a starter for the the, the Patriots. Um, they they had uh, Cesar Ruiz, who was a first round pick. Uh, there were plenty. John Runyon, who is, is a key contributor, I believe he started a few games there for uh, Green Bay last year. You know that that was a pretty good line ultimately, in a lot of ways. Um, Runyon actually didn't get a lot of run that year. It was more the next year, but nonetheless, I'm, it, it, there were a lot of bodies there. But because they had some inconsistency, it wasn't a very good offensive line. That was the biggest weakness of that team. So, uh, Penn State could find itself in a similar situation if it doesn't watch out. Um, we're actually run up against it. So let, let's continue talking about. Penn State, then we'll get to Michigan, and then we'll we'll try to tie everything else together and and as we kind of go along. So let's move on. Or not move on, but take a quick moment. Before we do that, take your first swing at betting Major League Baseball on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount and bonus bets. That's up to two hundred dollars back. That's right, just bet twenty dollars. That's it, twenty dollars. And you'll land two hundred dollars and bonus bets. Win. Or lose. That's two hundred dollars you can spend betting everything from the money line to the over under to who you think is going to have the first home run, all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, and here's the best part: when you win, you can get paid instantly. Best part about it. So there is no better place to bet on Major League Baseball baseball than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. So sign up today at FanDuel.com slash on. Get up to $200 back in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash on. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. Next week is Big Ten Media Days. Um, due to the logistics of travel, I'm, I'm not sure if we're going to have three, four, five episodes next week. Definitely three, hopefully four, maybe even five, uh, but they might be dispersed throughout the week. But we will have some stuff to talk about from Thursday forward, uh, but uh, really, I guess that would be Friday and Saturday uh, that we would be talking about it because Michigan goes on Thursday. Um, this week, though, is action-packed. So we have today, Tuesday. But then uh, we have guests the next two days. Uh, so excited to, to get into that. Uh, Thursday, I'm going to keep a little bit under wraps uh, for now. But to Wednesday, we're going to welcome in uh, Scott Schosel from uh, Wolverine, the Wolverine Boot Company. We'll talk a, a, a bit about uh, some NIL incentives that Michigan has. Uh, we will discuss uh, his company itself, the Wolverine Boot Company, which by the way, I have a couple pairs of Wolverine boots and they're insanely awesome. Uh, I, I mean, I can't believe I've been living this long without them. Uh, particularly the I-90 boots, the work boots I have. I've never had work boots in my life and these are just in, just incredible. They're so comfortable. I actually take walks with Zuri in them because they're that comfortable. Um, they're just phenomenal. And uh, I actually wore them as uh, Sarah and I went to the Friends experience on Friday at Great Lakes Crossing. And uh, dressing up for, uh, for a date scenario, I, I wore, uh, I wore the, the work boots instead of the, uh, the dressier 1,000-mile uh, boots, which are awesome and beautiful looking. But 
Uh, I wanted comfort and style. Anyway, we'll, and we'll talk about, he's a big Michigan fan that lives in Columbus. We'll talk about that as well. All right, let's move on to, um, let's move on to Penn State. Let's continue talking about Penn State. Here's the thing about Penn State that I, why I think outside of the offensive line, I, th- I think that they've got a lot of really good pieces across the board, right? Drew Aller, I think is a big improvement on Sean Clifford. Uh, I think he at least has that capability. He is a former five-star. who's a late riser, right? Like when Michigan offered him, he was like a three-star type, you know, borderline four-star if memory serves. And uh, the thought was like, yeah, he could be really good. He ended up finishing as a five-star. It's not where you start, it's where you finish. You know, I know, I know Jaden Davis and Keon Sab would love to have those conversations of, uh, otherwise, but uh, it's, it's where he finished. And uh, I think that you have them, you have, uh, or you have him, you have uh, Katron Allen and Nick Singleton. That's a pretty formidable duo. Michigan handled them last year. Uh, there's no reason why Michigan can't do it again this year, but we've seen Saquon Barkley get handled in Ann Arbor before going off in Happy Valley. Um, and then they've got some really good pieces on the other side as well. Chop Robinson, uh, Kalen King. Uh, that, that, that's going to be a pretty good team top to bottom if James Franklin can get out of his own way. So uh, then you've got Michigan, who is listed first as as it should be. And you look top to bottom. I mean, and we'll get into in the next segment uh, a bit on the offense, but just to... Just to sit there and say, who are the playmakers on on Michigan? And some of them aren't getting the national, of course, like Blake Corm and Donovan Edwards are. Zach Zinter is. Um, but you, you look, it's like, okay, J.J. McCarthy. Uh, some people look at him much differently than anyone who has followed him since he was a recruit uh, looks at him, right? And you sit there and say, okay, he's coming off a of year one as a starter. He should take a big step forward. Uh, I know there's some trepidation, including from me, certainly about the wide receiver position and say, no, Ronnie Bell, guess what? In 2021, they won the Big Ten with the the main receivers being uh, Cornelius Johnson, uh, Rowan Wilson, and kind of a uh, a litany of different guys. But those guys leading the charge, they certainly can get done. And if they find a way to get better, then that that all bets are off. Tight end position. I absolutely love the the duo of Colston Loveland and A.J. Barner. Offensive line honestly could be the best offensive line Michigan's had, believe it or not, in in out of these three years. This could be the best one. Trevor Keegan, Zach Zinter, uh, Carson Barnhart, Trent A. Jones, Drake Nugent, and uh, Ladarius Henderson, and I mean you could you can throw in other guys, Joel Hottie. I mean it's just stacked, absolutely stacked. Defensively, like I feel the same way about Chris Jenkins as I do. Uh, did Mozzie Smith, maybe even more so in some ways. Uh, I I really like what's going on in the middle. And even though I somewhat downplay the, the edge rushers, I mean, Jalen Harrell's coming back. And he, he was, I think it was a bit underrated. Little, you know, a little bit of question about opposite him. But I mean, got you know, you would normally in a normal year, look at Derek Moore and say, like, he's going to take a step forward. Braden McGregor, we've just been kind of waiting for it. Now he's obviously got his opportunity. Um, Josiah Stewart has been getting all kinds of love and praise across the, just nationally about what he's capable of. Linebacker is just absolutely stacked. Junior Colston is, Colson rather, is an absolute uh, muscle. He's one big muscle, as Don Brown would have uh, 
would have said about uh, about him if he was his coach. Um, Ernest Hausman, Michael Barrett. I mean, it, and sometimes I forget about Jimmy Rolder, right? He is right there, ready to take that step forward. Got lots of playing time last year. Uh, safety position is incredible. Rod Moore and Makari Page. Cornerback, Will Johnson, and then is it going to be Josh Wallace? Is it going to be Marion Walker? Is it going to be Jaden McBurrows? Uh, is it going to be Miles Pollard? It, the, the, it's, it's, and then Mike Sainer still, who sometimes I forget to mention because he's more of a nose, but, or not nose, but nickel, but he can play uh, you know, inside, outside. This is a team that when you look at it and say, here's what they have done mixed with here's what they're capable of, there, there's probably no other team in the country Aside from my, I mean, Texas, I would say, but Texas is more what they are potential, what their potential is kind of in the same vein as a lot of guys who are currently going to be going out there for Georgia or Alabama, whereas Michigan's got the returning production. So they obviously, in my eyes, I mean, should be considered like the, that team, right? That's that team. I could see a scenario where it's a three-way tie in the big 10. And, and then you start getting into the minutia of the rules down to like number 12 and tiebreakers. Cause I could see a situation where Michigan uh, wins every game, except for Penn state, Ohio state wins every game, but Michigan and Penn state wins every game, but Ohio state. Then what do you do? Especially if, if, if Georgia loses a game, if Alabama loses two games, like I'm currently predicting LSU loses two to three games. Like I'm predicting. Tennessee, uh, I, I, it's there. I think there's a chance that Michi- that the Big Ten is in a better spot because you're looking at a mixture, uh, a better mixture in my eyes of potential, schedule, and returning production. The Big Ten should be number one in my eyes. It's not below them. Then you start getting into a bunch of others: ACC, Pac-12. Who cares? Big 12, only contender in the Big 12 is Texas, is num- and that's the number five. Pac-12, USC and Washington, uh, I think Oregon should be in that conversation. ACC, Clemson, Florida State. Might be the one year that I could, you could sit there and finally say North Carolina, ironically. N- no, no mention of North Carolina. It could be the one year that you say it. Uh, they don't even have independence there. Could be, could be Notre Dame and BYU, you never know. <laughs> anyway. All right, let's get to all the stuff that we were going to take a segment each for uh, here in just a moment. Unofficial start of the season coming up in just over a week. Now, that's not to say that it's going to be, you know, balls to the wall right out the gate. It's not. I, I always think it is, and then there's still kind of a lull between Big Ten Media Days and um, all of that, but... Uh, nonetheless, it's happening very soon. Excited, not ready for summer to end a little bit. Not that I'm doing a heck of a lot except for walking like five miles every day, but I have some cool ideas that I think that are going to come to fruition more on the personal YouTube channel, which rarely gets posted on. Let me know if you think this is cool. I'm thinking about doing like a behind the scenes or like what it's like to cover big 10 media days and reactions and all that. Make it like a full on like television episode like 22 minutes started to think brainstorming about it yesterday and I was like that could be really cool could be time intensive but I'll you know I'll do a talking head 
Otherwise, you'll see some clips of me holding my phone out, selfie style, all that kind of stuff. But uh, I think that could be fun. Anyway, uh, so there's just two more things that we want to talk about that we, we teased at the beginning of the episode. Uh, so we'll, we'll scrunch that into uh, five to eight minutes here. Um, first, PFF, uh, they put together a uh, all Big Ten preseason offense for 2023, and four Michigan players made the cut here. And I think it all makes sense. I, I, I did think that there were a couple that could have made the list that didn't, but here's the four. It's J.J. McCarthy as the quarterback. I mean, he is... He's the one with returning production. You look at the rest of the conference, and it does not have that. Right? Interdivisionally, the only one that maybe, not maybe the only one, but you, I look at Rutgers maybe having Gavin Wimsat being the guy. I mean, Rutgers has got a couple guys that are returning with experience, but that doesn't mean a heck of a lot. Uh, Indiana started Connor Bazelak all last year, and he, you know, he's, he's not there uh, anymore. Uh, he, he transferred to Bowling Green. Um, Michigan State, you thought, add Peyton Thorne. They do not now. It's going to be Noah Kim, Kattenhauser, whoever wins that job. Ohio State has, uh, has uh, Devin, whose last name I always forget, and Cal McCord. Penn State has Drew Aller uh, instead of Sean Clifford. Um, I don't know who Northwestern's quarterback is. I didn't watch a single. Well, no, I watched one single game from Northwestern last year. I have no idea who's got eligibility or not. Tanner Morgan's gone from Minnesota. Jeff Sims, who has got starting experience, uh, comes in for uh, Nebraska, but it's a different quarterback nonetheless. After starting at uh, Georgia Tech, um, Wisconsin's got uh, Tanner Mordecai. Purdue's got Hudson Card. Uh, who am I missing? Iowa's got Kate McNamara. So starting experience, obviously, at Michigan, uh, but got beat out by J.J. McCarthy. And I don't know who Illinois' quarterback is now, but it's not uh, Tanner. It's not, not Tanner. It's not Tommy DeVito. I think that covers covers all of it. And maybe, I'm probably missing a team. I usually am. So J.J. McCarthy would have probably won it by default. Nonetheless, he's supposed to tease a former five-star that takes a big step forward certainly has the capability of setting the Michigan record passing yards. If he was at a team that was going to sling it, he absolutely would might be for better or for worse, but he could have that TCU game every single, every single week, right? Two pick sixes, 343 yards, two touchdowns. Absolutely could have that game every week, set the records and all of that. And, and, but also have some negatives, but Michigan's not going to do that, but still he's the number one. Well, uh, Blake Corum Made the list as the running back along with Braylon Allen. Uh, Braylon Allen is very good. I don't know if I would have him as the guy, but I guess like that would probably you're leaning probably heavily on him with uh, with Mordecai and uh, Phil Longo leading that offense now, and them still trying to figure out what they're going to be in Luke Fickle's first year. Um, Zach Zinter made the cut as a guard. Uh, and, uh, and then the other one was, uh, Drake Nugent, who again, coming from PFF, not surprising. Cause if you watched the episode or listened to the episode with Max Chadwick, he said that he thinks that Drake Nugent is a, uh, is a likely Remington guy. 
So outside of that, Marvin Harrison Jr. and Mecca Ibuka are two of the three wide receivers. That's 100% deserved. Isaiah Williams from uh, Illinois gets on there. Tight end is Brevin Spanford from uh, Minnesota. I think that's fair right now, but I could see Colston Loveland having that role. Uh, Olu Fashanu uh, is the as one of the two tackles, along with Jack Nelson from Wisconsin. I think either of them could be usurped. Well, not either, but I think Fashanu's definitely there. Jack Nelson could be usurped. Uh, the other guard is Connor Colby from uh, from Iowa. Again, Trevor Keegan could certainly be on that list. So good list, great, great moving forward here. I think that that's a real, um, it's a real good list overall. But that for you know, four Michigan players, two Ohio State players, and then that's it. Uh, defensively, I expect it to probably look relatively similar. So, um, I mean, honestly, you could have six, seven Wolverines on the preseason All Big Ten offense. Same thing with uh, with defense, right? <laughs> defensively, if I was to sit there and predict, I, I could sit there and say, okay, uh, I could go Chris Jenkins, who's predicted to be a first round draft pick. Uh, I could go with. Uh, I mean, I, I not preseason. I, I could see Mason Graham actually winning, it, you know, being on the first team, but he probably would be preseason. I could see Junior Colson being a first teamer. Uh, Rod Moore and Makari Page could each be first teamers. And then uh, Will Johnson certainly should, probably should have that role. So there's it, a lot of talent, which kind of feeds into what I was saying earlier. Uh, all right, recruiting. Since we've last talked, uh, there has been both a commitment and a guy going elsewhere. So happy trails to Jordan Ship, who ended up deciding to stay home and go to North Carolina. Um, four star, but like in the 400s, which I still don't understand because I've never like that's that's the first time I've started seeing that in the composite four star uh, in the 400s. Uh, teammate of Channing Goodwin and Jaden Davis decides to go elsewhere. So best of luck to him. It kind of sucks as you wanted to get more wide receivers. Also guys that had familiarity. Uh, as far as that's concerned, credit to EJ Holland for being the guy who's long said, like, I don't necessarily think this is a slam dunk for Michigan. Like everyone else. Um, he, he was a lone voice out there and he did a really good, good job as far as uh, figuring out where that was going to go. But Michigan did get uh, Jacob Smith, twin brother Jared Smith, and uh, this one's the edge rushing twin. And, I mean, that's just huge four-star guy. His offers from just pretty much every big team, Alabama. Uh, certainly, like, he was picking more between Nebraska, I believe Pitt, and Michigan, uh, and uh, opted to come to Michigan. But, I mean, he had offers from some of the top, top schools in the country, and that's pretty rare when you're coming from Connecticut. So, uh, I, I like what they're doing with their haul, especially when you're starting to see guys like Devin Baxter, Elias Rudolph. I finally remembered his last name. <laughs> and uh, some of those guys riding at rise or Jaden Smith rising up the recruiting ranking. So I, I, I wouldn't sweat too much as much as we are somewhat alarmist with how things have played out over the last month. This is still a great class, especially when you look at Michigan's Jim Harbaugh's record of development. Michigan is in an absolutely wonderfully solid place. It could be better if they had Justin Scott. We'll see what Aaron Scott does in 13 days. Um, I go back and forth. Uh, again, I'll remind you, I was, I was told by someone close to the program that Aaron Scott told Michigan players he was coming to Ann Arbor. He was going to be a Wolverine, but he goes out and says, told, tells his local paper, I don't know where I'm going to go. Ohio State clearly, when he went and visited the next week, made it made it difficult for him. 
Uh, I don't think he's going to end up at Oregon, but that is his childhood favorite, so you never know. Things can get better. Things probably will get better, even with this class, but, I mean, just an unprecedented amount of, like, relatively high-end talent, right? So I'm going to do one quick thing here, and then we are going to end this here. So looking at the team rankings on 24-7 sports, this is the, the composite here. Michigan has 26 commits, 19 four-stars, seven, uh, seven three-stars. So Michigan has the same amount of commits as Georgia, 26. Georgia, when you mix their four-stars and five-stars, has 20. So Michigan is just one behind according to the composite. But no other team is in that stratosphere, right? Like Ohio State is ranked ahead of Michigan with 18 commits. They have 16 combined between the two. And when you look at the seven three stars that Michigan's got, I mean, a lot of them, according to the composite, of course, let me make sure I'm on the composite here. Uh, I don't know if it gives me the option or not. Uh, but you look at some of the three stars here. Are, some of them are considered four stars elsewhere. Jaden Smith, Amarian Stewart, Devin Baxter, Ted Hammond. Dominic Nichols is a guy who's, who's risen. And some of them are, are guys that they are really, really high on. Owen Wafel. Um, who's the other one I was looking at? Cole Sullivan. Micah Capana. Man, Manuel Beagle. This is, this is a better class than what it's kind of even being billed as, as well as I'm saying. All right. We're going to have uh, Scott Schosel tomorrow, Wednesday. Uh, another special episode on Thursday, and then we'll we'll resume the mailbag. We hadn't we haven't didn't have it last week, so that's the plan. Well, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you again soon. Peace. <laughs>